This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found modern mammals and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. Everybody, special shout out to my sinners all over the world. It's Monday morning. My name is Shane. Welcome to my podcast. It's called Lead Singer Syndrome, and it's a show where I talk to other lead singers about what it's like to front a rock and roll band. And today, our guest, I believe, needs no introduction. One of my favorite people, one of my true best friends in this music world. His name is Dan Marsala. He sings for Story of the Year. We've been buds a long, long time, and it's kind of crazy that we're at like episode was at seventy three now, which is blows my mind. That's a whole other story. That it's taken us this long to coordinate our schedules and make this work out. Because when I started the show, I was like, okay, well, the first people I'll talk to are like my friends because they'll be easy to get on the show, and absolutely, Dan was in the short list of people. So very stoked to finally have him. And it's actually with some cool news. And I wasn't even aware of this. But Story of the Year, they're back. They're finishing it up right now. So that's awesome news. We talk about that. But to me, the craziest thing about Story of the Year is just how right out of the gate, they were just this huge band. Until the Day I Die was their first single ever. It was massive. And, you know, they never reached that success again. So it's super, super interesting conversation I had with Dan all about that. And I think there's a lot of stuff in this podcast that hasn't actually been talked about yet or before. So pretty cool. Sit back, close your eyes, relax. Unless you're driving, definitely don't close your eyes. Keep them very open. Be, be alert. Drive safe, okay? Your seatbelt on? Hope your seatbelt's on. Also, no texting. Stop the texting. Put the phone down, dude. Put it down. Anyways, this is a rad episode, so thanks so much for joining me. As always, I encourage you guys to get in touch at us on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and all that stuff. If you want to email me, it's leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. I read all my emails. If you got suggestions for future guests of the show, anything, praise. If you hate me, actually, if you hate me, we have a special line you can call. It's called the hate line. It is 
hate. I did have a call last week. I don't get that many. I want more hate line calls. Okay? And even if you're just like joking, that's that's part of the fun, all right? You can fuck with me a little bit. I'm okay with that. I did get a call last week complaining about the audio, and sometimes it isn't the best when I do these things over the phone. Sometimes people are in loud environments. Sometimes there's just something weird with the connection. I do do my best to try to fix them up. But hey, bring on the hate. I'm all about it. And in all seriousness, I do want to make the show the best it can be. So your feedback is absolutely welcomed and encouraged. So you know the little sound at the beginning of all the episodes where it's like a beer opening and it says, this is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Well, that's right. I am a part of a network of podcasts and there's some really good ones. And I want to make sure they get some love because a lot of those people are doing really, really great work. And obviously, if you're listening to this, you like podcasts. So over the next few weeks, I'm going to talk about some of the podcasts. Today, I want to tell you about the Modern Vinyl Podcast, which is really, really cool, especially if you're a vinyl collector like so many of us are. The Modern Vinyl Podcast combines the colorful conversations overheard at your neighborhood record store with insightful criticism that goes beyond the surface noise. So check out modern-vinyl.com. That's modern-vinyl. You know, the little line in between the words modernvinyl.com and find them on your favorite podcast app by searching modern vinyl podcast or of course through jabberjawmedia.com upcoming episodes listen up they got some good stuff jay som and plumtree along with discussions on the vagrant records catalog their annual record store day award show and the conclusion of their revisiting the smith series so check out that show it's pretty cool i listen to it myself pretty often modern-vinyl.com Also, for you Northerners, happy April. This is very nice. We're starting to get some lovely weather here in Toronto. I'm feeling a little inspired again. And also, if you live in Canada, make sure to see Silverstein on tour. We're going out with Good Charlotte very, very soon in about a week. We start in Vancouver. We go all the way across Canada to Halifax, which is pretty cool. We don't do tours like that very often. We're headed to South America, if anyone listens from down there. And I'm going on a solo tour With my project River Oaks, I'll be playing a whole bunch of River Oaks songs, a ton of Silverstein songs, some cover songs, and that's taking place in just five cities, Chicago, Las Vegas, Anaheim, Los Angeles, and San Diego. So if you live in any of those places, please check it out, riveroaksmusic.com. I will be there. And if you do make it out, please come say hi. Give me the love or give me the hate about the podcast. The shows are super small, but I play a long set, and JT from Hawthorne Heights is opening, and I think it's like 13 bucks. So please, if you live in those five cities, come check it out. Again, tickets, riveroaksmusic.com. Anyways, let's get into it. Here's my conversation with one of the best, Dan Marsala of Story of the Year. We don't care I'm here with my very good friend, Dan, from Story of the Year. Man, That's me. You're one of my favorite people. I'm, your, I'm one of your favorites? You're one of my favorite people, and not just in your band, which I think I made a very ill-advised <laughs> joke when you're like, it's my favorite Canadian when I text you to do this, and you're like, yeah. I'm like, you're my favorite person in your band? No, maybe <laughs> second or third, I don't know. Yeah. But dude, no. I, 
how's hey, it going, man? How's, how's how are things? How you been? Uh, everything's going great. I'm um, just hanging out at home in St. Louis, being a bum, and uh, finishing up the new story of the year record. So we've been uh, just at home doing that. So new story record. This is uh, this is great news. Um, ha- do people know this is coming? Is this are you announcing this now? Because I haven't heard a ton about it. Yeah, um, I mean we uh, we've just recently been talking about it. We've been doing a pledge music site uh, campaign thing on pledgemusic.com. So um, yeah, we've been crowdfunding it. Oh cool. So we've been been talking about it a lot as of just recently. But I uh, need to do things like this to get the word out and such. Right, right. So so it's funny, you know, you guys come from a background of working with labels, working with some big labels, uh, a lot of money involved. Yeah. Um, was there any hesitation to doing this thing, reaching out, you know, being like, hey, fans, like, you want a new story of the year record, you can have one, but, you know, <laughs> what are you willing to contribute to it, you know, as a fan? Yeah. Was there some hesitation there, or were you guys you guys totally, totally stoked on the whole idea? Um, uh... This hesitation in how to answer. I don't. I don't even know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's okay. Um, yeah. No. I, well, I mean, it's been since 2010 was the last full length we put out, so it's been a long time all around. So a lot has changed since then, and we definitely didn't exactly know how to approach it because we were no longer with Epitaph. We just yep. we had a two two record deal with them, so it was like, um, okay, what do we do? And yeah, I we definitely had a lot of talks about should we go straight to labels and do that old thing or try to actually make some money ourselves and figure it out. And, uh, yeah, we went back and forth a lot and then decided that we'll give this a try. And then, you know, there's always options in the long run as well. But, uh, right. yeah, we put the, put the pledge music thing up and within like 48 hours we hit our goal. Wow. It was insane. And, uh, yeah, it's at like 200 and something percent now. It's pretty great. That's so, awesome. I guess we made the right choice so far. I mean, people are willing to fund it already, so that's great. It's going great. That that is great. Yeah, I actually just pulled up your website here, and I, f- I found it very quickly. Uh, yeah, two hundred and thirty nine percent of your goal. What was the goal? Yeah, um, fifty grand. Fifty grand. Yeah, it's Which, crazy, uh, man. Like, like I, mean, I guess that's a thing you don't like really tell everybody on this site, but um, well, that was like a pretty modest goal. You know, that was like that'll cover recording costs and hopefully. Uh, a couple other extra things, but uh, we got lucky, and now we're going to be able to. Well, now we're going to go with different mixers and stuff, and we're going to spend a little more money on that. Right. Well, gonna, now you get to you now you get to use make money for videos and everything else. Of yeah. course, and it, manufacturing vinyl, all that stuff that you know you're going to yeah. have to. Uh, that stuff to, all costs put money, up. Obviously. I mean, you know, I guess you guys being on labels before, have you guys done like anything like that where you're putting out your own record? Um, and and if if not, um, who's kind of taking that? bull by the horns like is that you guys or your manager or someone in your band how, how do you guys handle that like um, for that, some bands that's, that's a real headache you know yeah yeah it, it it would be the worst thing ever but our guitar player ryan who you know you've met yeah of course he's kind of a crazy person all around in life and like has to be working 24 hours a day so he's basically just running everything right now well with help with our manager as well but right. Uh, but yeah, it's really just Ryan, like just annoying everybody in the band and like, dude, oh, you got to do this for the pledge site. Hey, we got to do this. Hey, we got to do this. Like, like we're 16 years old and like, he's like our <laughs> dude in high school is like, dude, you got to come to band practice. You know, he's still that guy. And it it's is, awesome. It is funny, man. And I, I, I've talked about this on this show with, with a few people, how, you know, you get, you get older and it's like, as the band goes on, 
the things, and maybe it's just because the music industry is changing so much, but yeah. you almost find yourself like you've been doing this band for like 15 years or whatever it's been, even longer, and now it's yeah. like you're, it's like you've, you're starting again. It's like there's this cycle, and you're back to the beginning where like, you know, oh, now we're putting out our own records again. <laughs> yeah. and, and it's kind of just, it's such a funny thing that's that's happening, you know, uh, just in the industry, I guess, and and for bands like you guys that have a very hardcore fan base, but for whatever reason, it's just like, you know, going with the label approach doesn't really make a lot of sense anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird, man. It's, it's, yeah, completely. You have to start over and think about everything differently, especially for bands of our era. That was like the last time when people still bought music, you know, like yeah. when Silverstein and Story of the Year was coming out, like in the early two thousands and stuff, like we have a gold record on the wall, which is like unheard of now for rock bands, unless you're Blink-182 or something. But there's like two rock bands that maybe they got gold <laughs> yeah. records this year or something. But yeah, uh, I mean, that was only only time that happened. And then nobody right. else bought music after that. I but, mean, especially like punk rock bands. And you know what I mean? Like that's that's the thing that that's yeah. the whole thing that's gone away. You know, there still is like whatever i'm sure nickelback will put it a record it could be a gold <laughs> record there's, there's still like yeah. that side of things but yeah but with you guys coming out of the gate um with page avenue and until the day i die which you know that was your first single ever wasn't it yeah i yeah. mean you guys came out of the gate hot you had radio play you had all this stuff happening mm -hmm. to you um and you guys immediately were just boom mtv all these things were happening yeah. What was going through your head uh, at that point? And <laughs> oh man, what did you think was going to happen, dude? Well, like you said, uh, like um, we were more of like a punk rock mindset. You know, I sure. mean, I mean, not everybody in the band is like into like you know old school punk rock stuff, but that was definitely like what kind of inspired me more. And that's me. Me and you have talked about that a lot. And um, but we were always just like we just wanted to play music that we liked and we wanted hopefully for somebody to hear it. So, you know, we were just working our ass off to try to just be a band. And, um, yeah, we just stumbled upon the right people. And, uh, we met John Feldman from Goldfinger. He took us to Maverick records. It was under Warner brothers and got us, got us a showcase. And it was like, it all just happened. It all just lined up perfectly and they wanted to sign us. And it was like, wow, cool. We're on, a, we're on the same label as the Deftones. This is insane. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, um, and yeah, and then they just promoted the shit out of it. And uh, yeah, it happened really fast and it kind of freaked us out too. And we were just like, like within a year, like we were like a big band all of a sudden. I mean, we'd been a band for a couple of years, but you know, after getting signed within that first year, it was just like, holy shit. Right. That's, that's the thing um, though, is that you do things yourselves, especially you know, St. Louis being a great music city. And at that time, at least a great scene, you know, there's a lot of great yeah. hardcore and punk bands from there. And obviously Chicago, this, there was a spillover there, mm -hmm. the whole Midwest. Um, yes, yeah, so doing that for a couple years on your own, and then all of a sudden you meet John Feldman, uh, who's got all these connections. He's a producer, which I want to talk about too. But yeah. um, did you guys feel like your band started to lose like that punk rock, like that control that you guys now basically have back uh, in a way? <laughs> yeah. or, or did you guys just like, fuck it, like we're going to make a gold record, and or this record's going to be gold? And you know, definitely how had was no that idea. in the beginning? Like, yeah, I mean, I, I think it was a little of both. Like, yeah, it definitely once things take off, you're like, holy shit, we have to figure this out and slow things down somehow. Right. Um, and, and in turn, we made a lot of stupid decisions. Now looking back, 
yeah. like stuff that like we only made the decision because we we were scared we weren't going to look cool or like you know it was all about cred at that point you know you had to be like the the credible rock band because you didn't want to be the sellout band and you didn't want to <laughs> be too big and all that shit which a lot of that doesn't matter now which is really funny to me but um but yeah uh, there was a lot of big opportunities that we got that were like nah now nah, we can't do that like we got offered the spider-man 2 like main song soundtrack and we were like nah now nah, we don't want to be the spider-man band well you'll right. sell you'll sell a million more records nah we don't want to do that like who, who the fuck says no to that it's so dumb but you know at the time it made sense and then like you know on our second record uh, we definitely went like a lot heavier and yeah. you know a lot more of a punk rock sound and went with uh, Steve Evitz who did yeah. half of my favorite records ever and uh, you know see so yeah, it definitely made us make different decisions because everything took off so quick and yeah so there's a part of you guys that was fighting against hey Maverick Records mainstream MTV because I'm sure your friends that that watched you go like I mean overnight success is a bit of a myth. But yeah. you guys were pretty much as close to an over six, overnight success as it gets. You know yeah. what I mean? Like going from just a local band in St. Louis to this, yep. you know, huge, huge rock band. Uh, yep. So I guess that was the struggle that you were just fighting against these things that, you know, trying to kind of keep your own identity uh, as, you know, a, whatever, maybe not a punk band, but at least the punk rock ideal ideology. And, yeah. um, you know, the, the most interesting choice is you already mentioned John Feldman kind of found you guys, took you guys under his wing, uh, produced your record. It was a gold record. And the choice not to go with him on the second record, uh, what was that all about? Hmm. Yeah, that was kind of that same thing. We were like, we were, uh, well, it, it was so much, it's so much weird shit now that I look back. Uh, you yeah. know, I mean, for one, we were young and, you know, you're just full of dumb ideas, but um Feldman was definitely ahead of his time, like as a producer, I think. Um, and he was very into like uh, adding like, you know, like, like great, like weird texture stuff and electronic little synthy things and all that great stuff. And he was like all into like tuning vocals and right. using beat detective and making everything sound good that every band does now. But in 2003, it was like, no, man, that doesn't sound like, like a rock band. That sounds, right. that sounds, that sounds fake. Like, you can't do that kind of shit. <laughs> And we were like so mad about half of that. And then we wanted to do like a really stripped down second record. So we were like, well, we can't go back and do that again. We want to try something different. It was just little stuff like that. I mean, um, later on, it was we went back with him for four songs on our third record on yeah. the Black Swan. Yeah. Um, and we would have did the whole record, but it was just scheduling and money and such. But but yeah, I, I think he was just way smarter than we were as for where the rock music business was going and right. we were like holding on to some past idea that you know you had to be Glassjaw or boy sets fire or something and like <laughs> you know you yeah <laughs> i didn't know i didn't know that everything was gonna go in the direction it's gone now but i don't know i think feldman is a genius and yeah uh he's gotten so much so and so much better and you know we would have loved to try to work with him again even now but well, uh, never, he, he does. He does way too big of stuff now, and he costs a lot of money. Yeah, he does. He does. I mean, well, everyone costs. I feel like everyone costs less though than they did, let's say, ten years ago, because there's just no yeah. money. You yeah, know? that's that's true. For like, sure. I don't know what. I don't have no idea to speculate what a John Feldman record would cost. I mean, I'm sure it depends on how bad he wants to record your band. Um, yeah. But like, let's say it's like I don't know. Ugh, I'm like ballpark like 150 grand, maybe. 
Yeah, maybe. Like, I'm not real sure either. We we didn't really get into the talks with him, so yeah. I don't know. But. Like maybe his rates kind of stayed the same where every other producer's rate's gone down as the record. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which in, this, which in a way is growth for him. The yes. same way that if like, you know, if you sell, it's like, oh shit, we sold the same amount of records as our last record. That means we're actually growing, not staying yeah. the same because the industry is yeah, declining. Bigger now. Yeah. yeah, it's it's funny, man. Um, I, I've heard, you know, I, I never worked with John Feldman. We had an opportunity to, I think, back in the day too. But again, it was the same thing. Like, do we want to spend 150 grand or do we want to spend 80 grand, you know, yep. and keep the rest? It was one of those decisions where looking back, maybe we should have. But <laughs> he's a very hands-on producer from what I've heard. Like, he's the kind yeah. of guy that's like going to grab a guitar out of a guitar player's hand and be like, this is how you should play it. Is that yeah. is that accurate? Yeah, definitely. That was that was another one of our things because we were young kids and uh, you care less about that when you get older and it's more about the song and more about, you know, you, you I, I think right. most bands kind of like just, uh, you know, are less uh, picky about their exact part and they want the song to be good. But at that age, yeah, he was just like flat out. We'd play something. He'd be like, nope, that sucks. Don't do that. And we'd be like, dude, we've been working on that for six months. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, he's like, yeah, well, that, that's cool, but it sucks. <laughs> and you're just like, holy shit, dude. Yeah. Um, but but he was always right. But then he just he had great ideas. But he's very straightforward, very blunt, and he'll just tell you, no, you're not doing that. That sounds like shit. Don't do it. And you're like, wow, man, that's neat. Yeah. But know. you know, when you're right, when yeah, you're right. So I don't know. But that was hard for us to hear as 22 year old kids or whatever. You know. Absolutely. That's very interesting, man. I don't know and, what producer uh, situation you guys have ever or have usually done, but uh, I don't know if that if anybody's ever just said, "Nope, that sucks. Don't do that." Yeah, and maybe uh, we've we've mostly worked with guys that have been pretty chill uh, and pretty like they've been good idea guys. But we've I don't want to say we've produced our own records because if any of them hear that, they'll be like, "Fuck you, you didn't produce your own record." But a lot <laughs> of the times, like I remember we did our third record with Mark Trombino, and uh, yeah. he pretty much didn't change a thing. Like there, he didn't, you know, there's like one song that he kind of like decided, you know, he wanted to take under his wing and he changed this and he, we, we yeah. told us he needed to write a new bridge. So we did. And then that song yeah. ended up being like a B side anyways, yeah. you know? So, so most of the guys we've worked with haven't been super control guys. Um, which is funny cause the, cause the guy we're working with now uh, for an upcoming Silverstein record, uh, he's way more hands-on, uh, <laughs> way more like opinionated and he's like, you know, eight years younger than me. So that's funny too, you know? Oh, that's gotta be weird. Yeah. Yeah. But I like, I don't know, man. I think like you got to, as you get older, you, you start to realize and tell me, I mean, I'm sure you're going to agree with this, but you start to realize like, maybe I don't have all the answers and maybe yeah. there are other people that maybe know more than me and maybe I need to listen to them. Yes. Yeah. It's just definitely that young arrogance. Right. You think, you know, exactly what everybody should be doing and, yeah, that's weird. That yeah. totally changes. You know what's amazing, though, is, is that you guys really, like, through all your ups and downs as a band, you guys kept the same lineup together, I mean, yeah. the whole time, other than, well, Adam recently, but that's crazy. Yeah, yeah that, that that's always been a weird thing, and I think that's mainly just because of where we're from, this being from St. Louis. It's not a huge music scene here, and it was always just, like, a very tight-knit friendship kind of vibe to, to our band, especially. But So in your band, you guys are are pretty close friends too. You guys hang out and stuff at home and everything. Yeah. Yeah. We all still live like within a few minutes of each other. And, uh, yeah, even Adam, like, even though for anybody who doesn't know, we were a five piece and then Adam 
didn't want to be in the band anymore, did not want to tour anymore, so we yeah. just went to being a four-piece now. So we didn't even replace Adam. We just left totally one guy out. on bass, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Phil started playing bass instead and because uh, that was like the easiest solution. We were like, well, we don't want to bring a new person into this situation. This is weird. But, um, I mean, we, we thought about it, but it was just making more sense. Once again, money, it's a better idea to have four guys in your band instead That's of five. Right, yeah, but, it's, it's a simple, <laughs> simple mathematics. Yeah, but... Yeah. Uh, uh, I was saying something about St. Louis or us. Oh, oh yeah, you guys there. being friends and stuff. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We all, you know, pretty much grew up together. We've known each other. I've known Ryan and Josh since like '95 or '96, like right. way too long. And that's when we all started playing music together. So, uh, yeah. And then Phil was in another local band around here at the same time. And yep, just just happens that way. And in St. Louis, man, I don't know. We're like some weird Midwest kids. No, it's that, crazy. It's completely crazy, though. Like, I mean, I know, I mean, you say it's something to do with St. Louis. I, I don't know if you can chalk it up to that. I'm sure there's lots of bands from smaller, you know, tighter-knit communities that have gone through shitloads of member changes. That's usually based on, you know, lead singer yeah, syndrome or something. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, I mean, it, it is kind of crazy. It's pretty unheard of. And, and a lot of times, like, some of the bands that I think of that have had the same members the whole time which is a very short list, and I'm even having trouble thinking of one right now. Uh, yeah. But those bands usually, they have just this crazy amount of success the whole time, and it's like, oh, anyone would be stupid to leave the band. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, like, you guys have really went up through ups and downs, so I'm just, it's just shocking to me that nobody's been like, ah, fuck it, I, I'm going to start a band with this other guy or do this other thing and, you know, get back to the, the gold-selling records or, like, you know, especially yeah. when you talk about the young arrogance that you 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 know you kind of say you guys maybe had yeah yeah i think i, I think that that was possible i, I could have probably happened to us at yeah. times like and i know there was like opportunities for people to do other things and it just never happened i don't know i don't know if it's just luck or just something about our relationship with each other i, I think have no it idea is. i think it's your friendship but some bands though like like you know with silverstein and we're one of the bands that have largely kept the same lineup. We've only had one member change in the last yeah. uh, 16 years. And for us, I think I thought that it was almost the separation uh, that we had between when we were on tour and our home lives, because we're, we're friends at home. I see the guys around, you know, but it's not like we get home from a tour, six week tour in a van <laughs> and we come home and that night we're all hanging out at the same bar. Yeah, no, it, it was no, never like that with our that. band. Yeah, uh, yeah. For for a lot of years, even though we do live really close to each other, we still yeah. If we've been on tour or something, yeah, I won't talk to anybody for like a month at least. No, oh, okay, okay. That's that's kind of <laughs> what I was wondering. Yeah. No, yeah. we we. I mean, I, I might see Josh tonight at the bar, or like you know, I'll see dudes out every once in a while. Yep. But yeah, we definitely don't hang out a lot at home. But but we're all close, and like if it's time to practice for a show or something, yeah, it's what easy. Was it, what was it like when Adam went off to do the uh, this the drugs uh, super band? it's so such a funny name like oh adam's off doing drugs i know i know i have in my little notes here i said adam leaving the band also for drugs <laughs> that's what i wrote in my note <laughs> uh, that 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 was always funny in itself uh we we weren't doing much at the time we yeah. kind of just we were taking a break because our four, we did our fourth record and yeah uh, you know it was it didn't do as well as our other records so we were like all right we need to take a little break regroup figure out what's going on yep. and uh so it all made sense. It wasn't like a bad thing at all. It was just, oh, that'll be fun. And he kind of fell into that too. I think it was like, once again, it was John Feldman just like, hey, I got this thing going on. You want to be a bass player? He's like, cool, got it, sweet. 
Um, yeah, and it was cool. I went out uh, and just rode with them for like two weeks on their bus and hung out. All the oh, dudes seriously? were great. Yeah, they like, are. I, they are like what a what a group of dudes. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, me and Craig Owens are pretty tight actually. So, you know, it's uh, yeah, they, they were. It was just a cool group of musicians, and they all were great at what they did. And yeah, it was fun for me since we weren't on tour for a while. They came through St. Louis, and Adam's like, dude, just get on the bus. You have to ride with me. <laughs> And I, I literally just jumped on the bus with like a backpack and didn't have a flight home or anything. Just left, and like two weeks later, I came home. Two and my wife later. hated me for it, but you know. So with drugs, was the band drugs? Was that just a clever name, or uh, were there some drugs <laughs> uh, being passed I, around? I think so. I I didn't do any drugs while I was there, so <laughs> um, <laughs> I know Craig's had his issues here and there with things, but uh, no, I think that was just a clever name, and it was. Yeah, it, it well, kind of worked. It worked for a minute. I always thought it was funny with that band too, because they, like, obviously the whole thing is they're oh we're called Drugs. It's this too super edgy name, and yeah. then they're like, wait, we have to like make it stand for something. So they come came up with some kind of acronym that was like, yeah. so bad. What is it? Destroy, rebuild until God shows. Yeah, the yeah. What does that mean? I remember when Adam <laughs> first told me about it. He goes, "Yeah, the band's really cool. The record sounds good, but I don't want to tell you the name." And I was like, why? He's like, dude, I, I just don't want to tell you. And once he did, I was like, oh, that's, that's, I mean, that's not the worst name I've ever heard. But then he's like, he's like, well, we got this thing. What? Yeah, it, it was funny. Yeah. Cool band. Uh, cool band. <laughs> sounds like somebody was on some, <laughs> some destroy, rebuild until God shows at the time they came up with that name, man. Yep. Yep. <laughs> well, hey, I want to go back. I always like to talk to guests about uh, how they, how they got into this whole world. Um, you know, because people that are younger want to know. People that are singers want to know, and it's just always an interesting story. You're from St. Louis. Um, yep. What was your family structure like growing up? How did you decide you wanted to uh, to start playing music? I know you were a drummer originally, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, my family, I was just pretty normal family. You know, I'm an only child, which I guess is kind of weird in the world, but um, uh, my mom and dad, well, yeah, you have to be then. Um, neither of my parents played music at all, weren't really even into music. Like they just, like they liked like a few things. They were kind of young for, for having me. They had me when they were 20. So okay. they were just like young parents didn't really just had to work. They didn't really have many artists, artistic passions or anything. They were right. just like, cool, we have a kid now. So, um, I don't know. I just kind of stumbled upon music like super young because I was an only child and I would just sit in my room and listen to like Motley Crue and Poison and stuff when I was like 11 for some Sick. dumb reason, like way too early to be into that kind of stuff, you know, <laughs> but, but, uh, Skid Row is still like Sebastian Bach's probably still my favorite singer of all Where time. Where did you find, oh, he's a great singer, a Canadian too. Where did you find out about, uh, those bands? Like that? I don't know. I guess metal. MTV. I guess we had MTV. Okay. I think. Yep. Um, and all my friends around the block were like, we don't have MTV. I was like, shit, man, we got that shit over here. Nice. <laughs> um, I guess, I don't know, I guess I just got into, the, I, maybe that's my whole love for music came from MTV, that the channel that doesn't play music anymore, you know. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know, I got way too into that, and then uh, the Nirvana came out and kind of changed, changed all that, and then I realized, well, I could probably actually play that kind of stuff, you know. So I was actually a guitar player first, Um I got a guitar probably when I was like 12 or 13 and uh, I played guitar for a bunch of years and we had, I had a couple bands with Ryan, uh, our guitar player, and we both played guitar in a band 
and then we were starting a new thing and we didn't have a drummer so um which the name of that originally was big blue monkey and that's whenever right. i i started playing drums just to be in that band because i was like well i'll just learn how to play the drums it's fine and uh so then i was a drummer for like three years or something and that's when everybody was like oh you've always been a drummer i was like right. yeah kind of i wasn't really i just uh played guitar and i understood the drums so it kind of went hand in hand at that time for me but um and then big blue monkey eventually i started singing we got josh to play the drums and that was the original formation of story of the year was originally called big blue monkey but yeah that was the quick rundown of my musical history yeah that was no very very quick um that's crazy though you know and your band like obviously we made it obviously for people that don't know uh story of the year one of the greatest live bands out there maybe ever I don't know if you the the greatest. You guys obviously. are a great band, though. Like, <laughs> you, like you guys are sick, and uh, every time we ever toured together or played together, if we were going on after you, I'd be like, "Oh fuck, really?" Like, and and part of part oh, of what great. like always um, struck me about you guys was that you're this like lead singer persona frontman, but like you could easily just get behind the kit and play. Uh, Ryan's just like a shredder. Yeah. Phil's a shredder too, but then Phil's like, I don't know, in some ways like a better singer than you even. Yeah. So it's like, is. it's like you have this dynamic where it's like, holy crap, like everyone's just an amazing musician um, in your yeah. band and like live, it really, really comes out. And I, I almost like kind of wonder if you ever thought about that when you're being a singer being like, oh shit, Phil's like just crushing these vocals on top of mine. <laughs> yeah. How's that, was- how's that dynamic between you guys? It was insane at first, um, and definitely after touring for years, he got like so much better. Oh, yeah. And uh, now him and Ryan have another band called Greek Fire as well, and he's actually the singer of that band. So yeah. that's the first time that he's like fronted a band, really. So uh, I don't think he even knew how good of a singer he was when he <laughs> joined our band. He was like, yeah, I can sing high, and I'll do harmonies. And I was like, cool. It's like, that's perfect. That's what we need. And then I didn't. Yeah, he can sing like notes that no human should ever hit, and it's, it's insane. And he nails it live all the time. Like right. every time my voice is gone, he's just like, "Oh yeah, well, yeah, my throat hurts a little bit too." I'm like, "Fuck off, dude!" <laughs> I'm like you're, you're gonna be fine. Um, but yeah, man. Uh, yeah, we got lucky, man. I don't know. We, <laughs> I don't think any of us ever meant to be very good or never tried. We just, we just loved music, and I think, uh, yeah, just playing music every single day obviously makes you better. We weren't very good in the beginning of Story of the Year. Like we were. We were sloppy. We were terrible. We cared way more about running around and jumping off stuff than we ever did about being good musicians, you know, but which comes into the live show part. We were always focused way more on just kicking ass and we're like, nobody will notice if our songs suck if we just jump off things. You have a backflip guy in the band, don't you? Who does the backflips? Yeah. Uh, Ryan and Phil used to do them. Tandem Uh, backflips. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, and then we're Ryan's like, and we're sitting around Silverstein, being like, "Fuck! I just drank like six beers, and I don't even know if I can hit an A. <laughs> maybe, maybe I can hit a G sharp. I don't know about an A tonight." Oh yeah. <laughs> and then meanwhile, you guys are back flipping, insane. Uh, it was ridiculous. We we still try to pull most of that off, but yeah, it got a lot harder after ten years. But, but yeah, we still we still we still do that shit. But um, but yeah, uh, I was out. Well, half of us were like, we were all straight edge dudes back then too. Right. So we were like super young, didn't ever drink before the shows. We just would just go on stage with perfect energy and felt great all the time. And uh, now I'm usually hung over when I play. So yeah, that's great. <laughs> now I'm, now I'm in your boat. I know what you feel now. Uh, that's funny, man. That's funny. No, you get, I, I feel like 
there's not a lot of big bands that have had the success that really suck live either. You know, and and, was there a lot of pressure when you guys came out? Like, oh my God, we are selling these records or whatever. Like, did you guys, did you guys have to start practicing? Did you guys have, well, that was a crazy sound. Uh, Did you guys have um, like any label people being like, hey, you guys got to get better. You got to do this. You got to do this. Did you ever have anyone Um, tell you that? Or did you guys just kind of naturally get better just from the pressure? No, I think we, we just always put that pressure on ourselves. We always wanted to be as good as we could. Um, yeah, we, we were pretty lucky with labels and stuff. Like Maverick was under Warner Brothers, and it was a huge label. They had the Warner Brothers money, but, but they were very, like, very, very cool about everything. We never had a problem. They just let us do what we want to do and always trusted that we were going to just do it right. Right. And, uh, yeah, we got really lucky on that. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think uh, after we did our first live DVD, um, like, and we put out like uh, live in the Lou thing back in 2004. And I think whenever we were mixing that, we were like, "Holy shit, man, we sound terrible live." Oh wow! And that was that was kind of the moment where you and everybody got on in ears at some point too. Yeah, that's and kind of kind of hurt other people in your band. And it was like, man, we really need to tighten that up. And uh, let's care seventy percent about running around and thirty percent about playing good now. <laughs> so right. I don't know. It just you know you gradually learn what you're doing wrong as you play a lot more shows and stuff, but. I don't know. We we always got pretty lucky uh, with nobody telling us what to do ever somehow. That's crazy. That's crazy. Like, yeah, I, I mean, you know, obviously you guys, the second record was on Maverick as well, right? Yeah. So with that record being, I mean, not a commercial success, uh, I mean, at least not close to the same level. I mean, it probably still did yeah. a couple hundred thousand records. Yeah, I think it was around two or something, yeah. Right, which is funny now to, to talk about that being... Uh, you know, yeah. failure. Like, can you imagine like, uh, if our bands could sell two hundred thousand records now? Yeah, if I, I mean, did that now, I'd buy a mansion because I'd put it out myself, and I'd be like, "It sold two hundred thousand records." I know, It'd be insane. If only that was the thing back then. But, uh, but I digress. Uh, <laughs> but do you guys ever? Do you ever wish that someone kind of did say, "Oh, maybe you should write this kind of song," like force you, force your hand a little bit? Because like a lot of bands want to complain about labels telling them what to do or people telling them yeah. what to do, what kind of songs they write. But then when you don't have the success in the end, it's like, oh, well, maybe we should have had that direction. <laughs> yeah, on the second record, I wish somebody would have gave us a little direction. I mean, I, I love that record. and I, love I, the I way like it, it too. I love the way it went, but it, it could have it been a little bit better and just by a couple people saying, okay, do a couple things different. But, um, but I think the reason why we didn't ever have that was because we did the first record with John Feldman. And I think everybody at Maverick just trusted everything he was going to do. So right. they never heard anything until it was done. They were just like, yeah, Feldman's going to make a great record. So so li- literally, he, he was the A&R guy, I guess, technically. So he was the one there telling us, yeah. So I guess we did have that input technically from right. him. But, but yeah, the second record, no. They were just like, no, you guys already had success. You guys are going to kill it. You're going to do it again. Go do whatever you want. We did that second record in St. Louis. Uh, we built like a whole studio in Ryan's basement and uh, Steve Evitz flew here, stayed here for like six weeks and we just made a record at home, did whatever we wanted. And yeah, it, it turned out awesome, but yeah, it's definitely not as poppy. It's not going to be as commercially successful, you know? So right. well, Steve we kind of knew that punk rock guy. I mean, he's done like yeah. lifetime and saves the day and yeah, uh, he's done, you know, Everything. you said he's done most of your favorite records. He's done most of my favorite yeah. records too. Yep. Like Snapcase and yeah. 
Uh, Kid Dynamite is always one that always stuck out for me that I love right. that he did. Kid um, Dynamite, Lifetime, he did all, all those those bands too. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's yeah, same dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, is it, yeah. Isn't he? Uh, I've heard he's like kind of like a weird like jock workout guy. Is that true? <laughs> um, I don't know. He might be more now, but <laughs> I don't know. He he's awesome, man. I still talk to Steve like every you know like a couple months. Uh, we'll text each other, but. Yeah, he's like the best dude to work with. He's so fun and so, you know, so easy to, to do everything with. But, but yeah, we, we, at the time, we were still pretty young and maybe we did still need that John Feldman dude yelling at us and telling us we're wrong. But, <laughs> but I think we definitely made like a really cool record with him. And if it wasn't following a super poppy radio hit record, then it would have been a different kind of record for sure. But so now, now with the new stuff that you guys are working on, What's the approach? Um, because you guys have such a, a, a pretty vast catalog over a long yeah. time. Obviously, you guys have changed, grown as, as musicians, have, have you know, gotten older. Uh, who did you get to produce this stuff? And what, mm-hmm. what's it sound like? What can people expect? Um, well, uh, Aaron Sprinkle is producing the new record. Oh, he's great. Um, yeah. He did he, one of my favorite records, which is Pedro the Lion's Control. Yeah, yeah, yep. Um, we just kept talking to a bunch of friends, uh, like Anne Berlin, all those guys, yeah, and yeah. Uh, um, he, he just did the new Acceptance record. Oh, he did the other Acceptance record, too. Um, uh, he just did the new Newfound Glory record as well. But uh, we just kept talking to a few people, and they're like, man, you got to talk to Sprinkle, man. He's super cool. He sounds like it'd be perfect. And he's in Nashville, which is only like a four- or five-hour drive from us, so... Um, yeah, just kind of, we had a couple chats and he was on the exact same page as us, so it worked out perfect, but, um, yeah, after not making a record for seven years, it's kind of like, we, we didn't really think about it too much. It was just like, all right, I know this is going to sound different this time because we're not going to play anything probably exactly like we used to. So Ryan just started writing songs. Ryan's always like the demo guy and he probably sent me 30 different songs. Wow. And, uh, and then I would just... Uh, frantically try to record some kind of vocals to stuff and send it back and be like, is this, is this any good? No, no, let's skip that one. And then, you know, I probably wrote like 15 to 20 songs vocally and then like sent stuff back out of those 30 and then um, probably 12 of them will actually make it on the record. So Crazy. Yeah, so when, when he sends you that many songs, and this is funny because I don't make records like that. Like, you know, we're recording right now and it's like, we're like going to record like 12 songs and that's it. Like that's yeah. we wrote twelve, we record twelve. That's that's how we roll, almost all the time. Maybe we have a couple of extras, but so I don't even know how someone writes thirty songs. Like, do they write? Does does Ryan write thirty songs like fully, like intro, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, core, ending? Does he produce them? Does he does he put like does he put drums on them? Like, how does how does that work? Uh, they won't always be like fully finished, but yeah, they'll be like drums and everything, but. Yeah, he'll usually skip like a bridge or something, just be like a verse and chorus idea or something. But right. I don't know. I would say ninety percent of them are fully done because, like I said, he's a crazy person and he <laughs> yeah. cannot stop working. I swear to you, it's like insane. Um, I, I, when I say thirty, it was probably more like forty, and he probably has fifty or sixty like sitting there at his house that he didn't send extra ones. But like he's just That's mental. That's so mental it, to me. It's weird, and yeah. I wish all the time that he would just send me twelve songs and say. I think these are a good 12 ones. We should just focus on these because trying to wrap your head around that many songs vocally and like just coming up with new ideas for that many songs. Yeah. And then, you know, I weed out some of the ones I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to come up with something for that, you know, but it works. And that's always how our band has done it. Yeah. Which is 
it, it, it's a lot harder than it should be, but it works. And, you know, I guess if you put more uh, material out, you're going to have more to choose from, and maybe it makes for a better record in the long run, but <laughs> it's quite a process, though. Yeah, so I guess, like, uh, does he have, like, is this stuff, like, seven years of him not being able to stop working demos? <laughs> like, is there going to um, be stuff that's going to be from 2010, or is this kind of all stuff in the last, like, let's say, you know, year or whatever that he's done? Yeah. I would say most of it's within the last year or two. Yeah. Because he, well, he was writing for Greek Fire, put out a bunch of stuff in the in, in between there. Mm-hmm. And then there was like a first batch of demos that kind of came through and that we kind of, we didn't use anything from. So that's why I'm saying it's probably more like 40 songs. But, um, and then once we started focusing, it's only been a couple of years. It was like, okay, I'm going to start writing for this record now. Yeah. So. so this stuff, is it, when you listen to it, is it different? Is it classic story of the year uh is it all over the place there's definitely some stuff that is you know heavy classic story of the year but uh it's definitely a lot different especially once we uh started working with aaron sprinkle he's really great with the uh you know with all the the fun ear candy stuff and like he he just put out a, a solo record this week actually uh called right. real life and it's like it's all electronic just amazing it's it, it sounds like an 80s pop record and it and and he's you know He's not like a 22-year-old girl, so it's it's really awesome to hear like his brain working over that kind of music. It's cool. But uh, he's great at that kind of stuff. So we maybe we'll have – I don't know. I, we're still like – vocals are all done, but we're still uh, finishing up bass. And like I have no idea kind of where the like line is going to be on how much of the, the crazy shit's going to go in. I don't know. But it's 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 awesome. It's like my favorite yeah. stuff we've done in a long time, and it's been super fun because there's no seven pressure. Years. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> because there was there was no pressure to like going into writing it, so we just kind of got together when it was time, and we wrote songs exactly how we wanted to write them. So there was no like, well, we got to follow up this record, and we got to make sure it sounds like this. And you know, it was just like super fun. We just wrote all kinds of cool songs and way too many of them so what's the plan this this, this thing's gonna come out obviously you have fans counting on you guys to you know put this record out and deliver it uh are you guys gonna go on tour what's the plan there because i know obviously you're a dad there's some other dads uh there's some you know marriages and all this stuff what's what's the plan with with the live live side yeah everybody in the band is is are everybody is parents now our parents we are all parents (laughs) Uh, yeah, so, um, we're definitely going to do some touring for it, obviously, and, uh, but just like any band, then when you get older, I think we're all trying to be smarter about touring right now. I, I assume your band probably does this too, but... No, we just think, do the same thing we've always done, and none of us have Yeah, you kids. guys, you guys just like to tour, don't you? you we're kidless, yeah, we have no children, so I'm sure when that happens, uh, eventually, I'm sure it will, uh, we'll think that, think about that, but right now we're just going the same as we did in, like, 04, so... yeah. Which is awesome, and it's, that's the only way to really make money, as we all know. But, um, yeah, we're going to try to do it smart and just do, like, a couple weeks at a time, I think, is yep. our goal. I mean, unless, like, we get some crazy offer and we can't turn it down and, you know, and the money makes sense. But, but yeah, we're, we're at this point, we're kind of not in the situation to all get in a van and go for two months and not see our families and stuff and, and not, you know, unless it's crazy money or something. So... Um, but we're definitely going to have to tour and support it, and um, we're just going to try to do it a couple weeks at a time. What do you goal. do these days for uh, for a job? 
Uh, I don't really do anything right now. I, I, I bartend and stuff sometimes. Yep. Um, I record bands at my house. I'm in sitting in my little basement studio right now. Oh, nice. Um, but you know, just little stuff for like money here and there. But, um, my wife makes a little bit of money doing things and, uh, we're just really cheap and St. Louis is like the cheapest place on the planet to live. I think so. I live in Toronto. It's the worst. Yeah. We're lucky about that because yeah. I mean, a couple of the dudes have jobs. Uh, Phil uh, DJs at the radio station, right, or right. not DJs, but he's on the radio show at the radio station. So, um, and then Josh has a a job, like a full time thing, where he works with our friend at this auto body place. <laughs> it's insane. Uh, me and Ryan are kind of the ones holding out, trying to just be cheap. So uh, we were <laughs> we were the uh, the inspirations for getting these songs together and making everybody get going. So. That's fantastic. And it's Phil's, hard, playing man. With, Phil's playing with uh, Goldfinger now with John oh, and yeah. another super group. Yeah, yeah, that's weird. I, I always forget that he's in Goldfinger now. But yeah, he's been doing that for the last couple of years. That's crazy. And uh, we just played uh, Music Festival in, in Southern California, and Goldfinger played directly after Story of the Year. So Phil literally just went from playing bass with us, put on a guitar, and stayed on the same side of the stage and played with Goldfinger right afterwards. <laughs> and yeah, and Travis Barker was playing drums. With oh yeah, right. Bass. Travis Barker, no big deal. Yeah, it was Travis Barker, Mike Carrera from MXPX, yep. and John Feldman and and Phil from Story of the Year. It's crazy. Yeah, it's totally crazy. And I got to ask you about uh, the fuck off and dies. Yeah, is which if people don't know, that's Dan's uh, punk rock side project, which has the best name of all time. <laughs> uh, do yeah. you guys still play? What's going on there? Yeah, we uh, we haven't been doing a whole lot lately because I've been recording, but um, we have a show in a couple weeks with Reggie in the Full Effect here in St. Louis. Nice, which which is going to be awesome. But yeah, basically we don't usually tour a whole lot. We'll do like like a little four or five day run around the Midwest, but or something. But we just usually open any good punk rock shows in St. Louis, and it's just an excuse for us to be able to go to the shows and uh, put out Get our own music. Twenty four beers and, on the rider. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, we <laughs> we just. Well, after years of being in a serious band, I was like, all right, if I'm going to start another band, I want it to be uh, just ridiculous and fun and not ever have any expectations. So luckily, it was a couple dudes that I had known for a long time were in the same boat, and they're like, yeah, let's just name it The Fuck Off and Dies so we can never be a big band. <laughs> <laughs> well, it didn't and work we, Fucked Up. I mean, Fucked Up is a pretty big band. You that's know? true. I know. Yeah, after that, I was like, oh, well, I guess it could work. Actually. It's funny but, in, in, in Toronto because they're from here. And they have like some mainstream appeal, like believe it or not. So like yeah. they'll talk about them in newspapers and stuff, or on the news, <laughs> or on TV. And it's like it's always like a weird thing where like where does the censorship fall? You yeah, know, that's weird. Has that yeah, happened with you guys? I see like, there's stuff everywhere where you got published in something, and they had to put like a little asterisk over the U or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's always just the F off and dies if if it's ever on anything else. The F off and dies. Yeah, that's not that's not as fun. No, yeah, we it's just, not punk rock. No, we just say fuck a lot and talk about drinking, and that's all that band is. It's fun. Sounds perfect. It's a great man. time. That's perfect. Uh, before I let you go, and I don't want to take up too much more of your time, I do uh, have a fan question from Mo Horta, who asks, uh, she asks, how did he like the recording process of the 10 years and counting album? Did they change anything that they didn't do the first time around? Great question. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that record uh, in, that, in our whole lineage of things. Um, yeah. Yeah, a few years ago, we did the 10 years and counting reimagining of Page Avenue. And uh, yeah, we did that in St. Louis with our friend Matt Amalung, who works at the studio here. He's, he's awesome, super cool dude. And uh, 
basically we would go to his studio and he would come over to my house and we would just do it at nighttime over a couple month period and just like kind of just built stuff as we went we had no plan it was just let's make the songs sound as different as we can and as broke down as possible and just re-record them because we didn't want to do like a remix or anything or remaster because people like the way a record sounds already they don't really want to hear a different like a different version of that recording so yeah we just tried to completely strip down and change everything on as many songs as we could i think we only did 10 of the songs but um yeah it turned out really cool i don't know it's a it's a really sweet little weird record that i always forget about yeah Um, so so what was the approach there like did you guys just listen through and go like hey this like this is something we would do now that we wouldn't have done back then or was um, it just like you know was it did you always hear something in your head when you listen to those songs back uh like like or did you just be like what's the weirdest thing we can do what's the approach what was the approach there I was probably a little bit of both, like any mistakes that we heard the first time or stuff that we didn't like. Yeah, it was like obviously the time to change that. But um, I don't know, a lot of it, like the heavier songs, I just wanted to do like the opposite. Like the first song in The Hero Will Drown, it's just like only piano and just me singing instead of screaming. And it's like way different, but it it, like works somehow. And it was really cool. I don't know. It was really fun. Cool. Just doing a totally different arrangement. Yeah. 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 I just wanted them to sound like completely different versions of the same songs somehow. Some of them are pretty similar, like sidewalks, like broke down ones that are already kind of slow. You know, they they ended up being similar, but we went more like piano based on most of it. And yeah, it's just it was just a fun little thing. And when we were talking earlier about releasing this upcoming record ourselves, I was going to say, yeah, I guess we we put that out ourselves a few years ago. And, uh, you know, I didn't even think about that. But yeah, we just, you know, did like the put it up on TuneCore and it goes to. Right, you know, Spotify and Apple and everything. So, and financially, um, that's that can be pretty lucrative. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, you get kind of a constant check from streaming and everything. Yeah, it, it's 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 really cool to do stuff that way. But then you know, you know, you miss out on promotion and all that. We hired a couple people to do a couple things, but um, yeah. And then we did the ten year anniversary tour, and then right. you guys you guys were on some we of that did. with us. Fun as which hell, was, which was awesome. But uh, yeah, that was the last full on stuff that we've actually done, which is been a few years now it's crazy that's great man well hey uh thanks so much uh anything else to tell the people i guess you know that the new record's coming uh so if people want to pledge uh what what can people get if they if they put up some money you guys have anything cool like um we did have a bunch or anything bonus stuff yeah we had a bunch of weird stuff at first but that was all the crazy stuff that went right away like we had all kinds of all kinds of weird guitars and drum heads and all kinds of fun stuff but uh yeah, I mean, we're doing uh, all the vinyl packages and signed stuff and T-shirts and all the fun stuff. Yeah, there's still all that stuff on there. Uh, the lyric seats and stuff. Yeah, a bunch of cool stuff still available. And it's basically just a pre-order until the record comes out now. So I love it's it. It's all good. I love it. Pledge, I can't wait to hear it. it. I can't wait to see you around, man. It's uh, always, always one of my favorite people to hang out with. Yeah, man. We, we, uh, we have a good time hanging nowadays. Don't we, we do have a good time, for sure. <laughs> I was going to, before we go, I, the last, the first thing I thought of, I was like, I wonder if I had any good stories about me and Shane, but I remember we left a show that we played together, and I, I think it was that uh, 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 skate skate shop uh, anniversary thing. Oh, but, in Quebec, Quebec City. Yeah, yeah. yeah we went shop. back to the hotel, yep. and me and you both were going back to the hotel to change, and then we were all going to go meet up with people at, at like bar or something, and then I, I came over to your room and knocked on the door, and me and you just sat in your room and sat on the beds and talked for like two hours. That's right. And, uh, yeah, we didn't actually end up going anywhere. We we, just, we never went anywhere. Yeah. No, we just sat 
We we fucked is what really happened. Well, I wasn't. We, tell we made anybody. up the story of of no. We just I swear we just sat on the bed and drank all all night. We sat there. It was neat. We were just cuddling. Yeah. No, it's nope, true. That's that true just, though. That's true. I think it was because was everyone else bailed and we were the only ones that wanted to rage. Yeah, I think we were just yeah we were partying and nobody else was. But and it's Quebec City and it's a little you know it's different. Yeah, it was probably cold. There probably wasn't anything to do. Whatever, but. Yeah. Well, hey, um, but anytime you want to ride on a bus for two weeks uh, <laughs> and yeah. not do any drugs, let me know. <laughs> All right. Sweet. Dan, thanks, man. So good, to, so good to talk to you. Yeah, you too, man. All right. Well, hey, have a good day uh, and yeah, all the best. All right. You too, man. All right. Yeah. Thanks, man. Hey, I'm back. There's my conversation with Dan, one of the best. And hey, you heard it straight from the horse's mouth. New story of the year record. It's coming. Go over to Pledge Music. Throw them a little love. And of course, if they come through your hometown, make sure you go see them. They are one of the best live bands out there. 100%. Next week, we'll be back with another episode. A big episode, actually. So make sure you're subscribed. If you like the show, feel free to write a review on iTunes, preferably five stars. All that stuff helps me grow this thing. And also, before I let you go... I want to tell you very quickly about the All Access Club. Basically, if one episode a week is not enough for you, we do have an option. There are bonus episodes, bonus content. There's Lead Singer Syndrome merchandise. There's a Facebook group. You can talk to other fans of the show and myself. I go on there and do a Q&A ever so often. I play some songs. I think we're having a big party at one of the guys' houses. So seriously, it's awesome. If you're a really big fan of this show... It really, really would help me keep the lights on around here and, of course, grow this show and make it bigger and bigger. So all I ask is you check out the link. It's as little as $6 a month you can pledge, and it is leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. Once again, leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. As always, I will leave you with a tune. I feel like I got to play the classic right now. It's a great song. It always gets me pumped up. So here it is, story of the year with Until the Day I Die on Lead Singer Syndrome. Peace and love. We'll see you next week. Until the day I die, I spill my heart for you, for you. Until the day I die, I spill my heart for